This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. We now are down to 16, and I have a little extra pep in my step because my alma mater is still alive and kicking. And this is a guy who was texting me and was texting Alex in Newark and was trying to talk us off the ledge throughout the course of the year. And now he joins us once again to shed some outstanding insight on this year's field. The great associate head coach at Pittsburgh, my main man, the great Timmy O'Toole. What's up, coach? KJ, you get me so fired up, bro. How are you doing? And congrats to your orange men. Coach, you ain't kidding, man. It's been a whirlwind of a week for me. It's been a whirlwind of a week for the Q's. I can't believe they're playing in the Sweet 16. I got to start here, Coach, because you went up against this team not once but twice. You beat them not once but twice. You're watching these games, and I know you're this astute basketball mind. You spent time with Jimmy Beheim on multiple occasions as a part of his staff. What, in your opinion, has been the biggest difference in Syracuse from the team you coached against this year to the team that's now playing in the Sweet 16? Well, I think, as you mentioned, JJ, one of the things that's happened, at least for me, and, uh, and but I want to share with your viewers, is that you know my journey with Syracuse started in 1991 when I was hired as a volunteer assistant. Um, I was fortunate enough to be part of that program until 1995, and then I was hired at Duke University. And um, but part of that is like you know we played against him from eighty in eighty six and eighty seven, but I was able to see Coach Beheim kind of work his magic. And um, the one thing he's mentioned, and this this goes back to his brilliance, JJ, is that the team has kept getting better over the course of the season. And really, that is kind of when I think about him, and I, I tease you and Alice Halter all the time um, because. When you're in January and you're in February, you're kind of used to these wars of attrition where you, you you get tripped up tonight, you win two in a row, you lose another one, you win three in a row. And this is kind of what the staple of Coach Beheim's career. He's unflappable. There's a reason why, and I'm watching that game the other day with Huggy Bear, who's won 900 games, and Coach Bay, who, you know, forget the NCAA, you know, won over – I don't know what it is, close to 1,050 games. Like, this is what these guys do. They're not rookies. They're not, uh, you know, they don't all of a sudden knee-jerk react. They stick to what they know. And what they know, and think about Bay, 40-plus year, whatever he is that he's been a head coach at Syracuse, he has seen almost everything. And so what he has not done, he has not panicked. He has brought this team along. He is, he's getting the most out of all of his guys. And the funny, the best part about it, J.J., to me was 
everyone knows Coach Bay for being the 2-3 zone. And so that's a defensive concept. And don't get me wrong, it is unbelievable. But one thing about Coach Beheim, he is a great offensive mind. And I say this to you because I was listening to his interview, and I don't listen to a lot of interviews. It's just it's not normally what coaches do. And um, But I listened to Bay's interview after the West Virginia game. And I don't know what the numbers were, J.J. You can probably correct me on this. But I think he said the Q shot over 50% from the field and over 40 from the three. And that was his way of saying, I'm pretty good at this. Because who did they play against? The West Virginia Mountaineers and Bobby Huggins. And everyone knows that Huggy is known for what? His aggressive trapping all over the place, you know, take you back to the woodshed. This is going to be a brawl. And all the cues did on that day against that team was put just an unbelievable offensive performance together. And I think that's one of the things that people really miss. They, they underestimate Coach Behan and how good he is at understanding mismatches, what he's running, why he's running it. And, again, in addition to the defense, which was stellar, and it always is, um, but when he made that comment, and, again, J.J., you, you might have the numbers. I, I didn't, but um, but that's the one thing. So getting back to your question, when we played him early in January, again, everyone's got pauses. Everyone's got players out. You know, they were trying to figure each other out. And, J.J., I'm telling you, again, you know this, and, and, and I hope I'm not going to kill your time here, but when we played at the Carrier Dome, and that was the week prior. It was early January, J.J., and you know what the energy like in that building is. Oh, well, off the charts. I'd be hooting and hollering, Coach, if it wasn't a COVID year. I would have been behind you yelling and screaming. And it's, it's for your listeners, unless you've been in the Dome and there's 30,000 people and you're playing against G-Town or Nova or whoever the hell it would have been back in those days, like, it is unbelievable. The adrenal cortex is wide open and things are pumping. And uh, one of the things I noticed in scouting was that the, the Q's shooters on the road were really high, but especially Gerard and, and, and Buddy, they were really low at home. And I'm like, this is extremely odd. But unless you've been in the Q's, when those guys are hitting threes and that place becomes electric, there was something missing. And, um, and that was kind of, you know, they had to recalibrate, in my opinion. And we played them the next weekend, and so we were fortunate enough again to beat them. But – I do think that was one of the things, those, those, especially those two guys, and again, you think about Joe's first half and Buddy's second half, like they need to be able to get into their flow. And, um, and, and they obviously did, and they obviously had been doing it. And uh, because when they're on, and then you throw, you know, Alan Griffin in the mix, and you throw Kadari playing well, and those two guys, and then, you, you know, Dolage, and he also mentioned about Dolage and how great he has been for that team and doing things that don't show up in the stat sheet. He's got these guys playing extremely well and uh you know and, and it's interesting you know someone said the other day i mean you look at that bracket hey man it, they could advance all the way and coach why here. not why not and think about it the last two times they've gone on these miracle runs who ended the miracle run acc teams who know the zone very well duke knocked them out in 2018 carolina beat them in the final four that loaded team that lost to villanova in the national championship game I think it's an advantage for Syracuse getting a Houston team that doesn't shoot it well. If they get by that game, well, Chicago's tough, man. I mean, I don't know if you noticed that, Coach, 
that game they played against Illinois was no fluke. They whooped them. They beat them for 40 minutes, but they aren't seeing zone like that. Oregon State's not seeing zone like that. That, to me, is a leg up for Jimmy and the boys. Well, and it's interesting because Oregon State does. They have their own little matchup zone, which, you know, they're kind of – that's what Lon does, Coach Tinkle. Um, but going back to what you just said, no, it's it, especially with Loyola, I, I just have a flashback to when I was there the last time in the 2012-13 season when we played Indiana. And Indiana was the number one seed in the NCAA tournament, or at least in that region. And uh, I remember doing this with, with uh, the, the grad assistants and, and some of the managers. We were going over some scouting at the Qs. And uh, since 1985, I've been keeping this statistical analysis based on what it takes to win national championships and what are the numbers. And I remember talking to the, the, these guys to Cuse that night saying, hey, man, the numbers that Indiana is posting up, shooting 50% from the field, uh, holding teams to 37, shooting over 40-plus from three, holding teams to like 29. Like these are the numbers that are, are final four national champ numbers. And then you, you go to assist to turnover, you go to rebounds and free throws attempted. But getting back to these guys, and I remember talking with Coach Bain, he's like, yeah, but you know what? They spend all of their time becoming great at man-to-man that they don't spend any time on their zone. And sure enough, we played incredibly well against Indiana that night, held them, you know, again, probably their worst offensive performance all year. And we did the same thing to Marquette the next night, and we advanced to the final four. And I say this because, you, as you're right, you know, you, I love listening to these announcers where, you know, they talk about, well, you got to penetrate the zone and get it in. How many times have you seen that guy get it into the high post against the zone? And then he looks and he's like, all right, what am I supposed to do now? And any time for any of the former Syracuse guys, when you see that guy get there and he starts looking around, you know he's in trouble. Because the reality is if you get the ball into that high post, you better be ready to score or make a play immediately. And your first thought needs to be score. Because if you're looking around to make that pass, there's too many guys that are coming back into their lanes that are going to disrupt that thing, deflect it, and then it's a mess. And uh, anyway, he's been having you know he's been having a pretty good run here, and uh, we'll see how they keep doing. We got Coach Tim O'Toole, the associate head coach of Pitt, breaking down the ins and outs of this NCAA tournament. Coach, how big of a challenge would it be for you if you're coaching a program and your son is on a team? I I guess with Syracuse and Buddy. <laughs> You know, listen, it's very easy. He's the best player on the team. He's shooting like Steph Curry. You don't got to worry about any of that sort of stuff when people are looking at Buddy saying, yeah, that's my son. I'm pretty damn proud of him. Let him go do his thing. Um, you think Jimmy's loving every minute of that? So it's interesting. You know, again, you know, I remember when, when Buddy and Sissy were born. I remember Jimmy, you know, like, you know, you look back and it's really hard to coach your child. And then I heard this was interesting after that game, uh, the West Virginia game I'm talking about, which propelled the Qs to the Sweet 16. Um, I heard Jimmy being, not Jimmy, I'm sorry, Buddy being interviewed. And he goes, you know what? It was really hard for me to hear people bash my dad. And he goes, all these people are saying, you know what? What has he done in the last 10 years? He's washed up. He doesn't, you know, he hasn't adjusted well or whatever the heck people are saying. And then Buddy was like, well, I, he's been to two Final Fours, six Sweet Sixteens. And he goes, I would think most human beings would be really happy with those results. And, uh, and it was interesting to hear the flip side from his son. Because I do know, and again, I've talked to Coach Bay over the years, especially with Buddy. Because, you know, again, when I was hired the second time, J.J., and I was talking to my children the other night, my two boys. And this is really cool. I want to share this with you and your your, your audience, because this is really rare. 
when I was at the Q's in 2012 to 13, um, Buddy was in the seventh grade. Jimmy was probably, I don't know what grade he was in, probably 10th maybe. Adrian Autry's son might have been in the ninth grade or 10th. Um, you know, my guys were God knows what. And, and I don't even remember, sixth and fourth or you know fifth and third. Mike Hopkins is. We're practicing in Atlanta in the final four, right? I mean, they, you know, everything is about to get going there in Atlanta. We're at, I think, Oglethorpe University, and Bay was so good, like, now let the kids come. And um, and sure enough, we're at one end playing half court, and these dudes are at the other end playing like four on four. And, uh, you know, I, I laugh because, you know, I, I remember the days of Georgetown locking everybody out of the gym and things of that nature, but Bay, you know, he's just amazing how he can concentrate on what's going on in front of him and the team. And um, But that being said, he was always great to not only his kids but other kids. And, you know, it's just, it was a neat little – a flashback because at that time of the year when you're at the final four, this is the last thing you were expecting. But, um, but my kids brought it up like, yeah, it was unbelievable that we were playing and you guys were at the other end and uh, just funny. But when you think back, you know, it's really hard to coach your child. You live and die with every miss and make and and anything that's said about them. And, uh, but those two guys are making this thing look easy. Okay. Coach looking at this bracket, Gonzaga, I think they're the team to beat. I've kind of felt that way all along. But I look at the bottom of the bracket and I see two Pac-12 teams. And the Pac-12 has had great success in this tournament. Who, in your opinion, would give Gonzaga a tougher game? Is it the more talented USC team? Or is it the more battle-tested, super well-coached Oregon Ducks? You know what? It's interesting. Watching what USC did the other night. Kansas. Oh, they smoked them, coach. Smoked them. It, it, does, it doesn't happen every day. And you got the two Mobley brothers, and you got the other pieces that are fitting in. It's, um, you know, it, it almost appears that this could be their type of year. Now, that being said, as you mentioned, you got um, Oregon and you got Dana Altman that seems to be able to kind of retool and reload fast. They play a certain style. They're very deliberate in, in what they do offensively and defensively. Um, and so, and that's, again, Dana Alma is one of these guys that he's like Coach Behan. All he does is win and win everywhere. And so, you know, it's funny. I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in systems that the older I get because it just puts the players in a way more comfortable arena mentally. And um, I do think this is a magical kind of year for USC. But with Dana, if they get by USC, I think he could give Huey the hardest run at this night. Okay, Coach. Villanova. Give him credit getting to a Sweet 16. They lose their best player. Another one of their stars is hobbled. But sometimes in March, you got to take advantage of the draw. They beat a 12, then they take down North Texas as a 13. I don't think they have the size. I don't think they have the bodies to match up and take down a team like Baylor do you see Villanova being competitive in that game, or do you think Baylor is kind of a runaway freight train? No, you know what? I don't think you can ever count Jay Wright out. Uh, you know, when you, when you think about losing Gillespie, who was, you know, one of the three co-players of the year, probably that's not the right word. Um, but, you know, you think, all right, they're going to take a massive hit, and they, they did as they entered into the Big East tournament. But somehow, like anything else, you figure it out. And, um, and that's the one thing. And, and when you got guys like Earl on the team, like you, they've, you know, they've got enough pieces and they play so well together that, um, 
I don't think you can ever count those guys out. And uh, regardless of how good Baylor is, yeah, no, th- th- it'll be a, he- a heck of a game. Coach, that Easter region, man, all four of those teams I think could go to the Final Four. You and I were on the same page with Florida State. I'm sticking with it. Um, Florida State, Michigan, UCLA, Alabama. After watching those teams now go through the first weekend of the tournament, how do you see that East region shaking out? You know what? We, we've played against Florida State, right? I mean, they're in our league. We kind of know what they do. I think they're ready more than ever for this year. Uh, don't get me wrong. Michigan is, is really talented, and UCLA is good, and, and Alabama has, has done extremely well. But I do think this is Leonard Hamilton's year at this thing. He, uh, he is an exceptional coach, he, like, like Coach Bayon. These guys have been around doing this thing for a long, long time. He's got depth. He's got talent. And really what it comes down to at the end of the day, J.J., when it's all said and done, usually the teams that make it to the big dance, they've got pros. Right on both sides. Everywhere you turn, there's a bunch of these guys. And I do think Coach Hamilton has two, three, potentially four guys that are NBA roster guys on his team. And uh, I I think they're going to pull this thing out. Coach, final four. I got three of my four teams left. Seminoles, Baylor, Gonzaga. I know I didn't go out much of a limb giving you two one seeds, but I think they're that good this year. That Midwest region, though, is chaos. I had Okie State. I know a lot of people had Illinois. Um, if Coach O'Toole could have a do-over now and submit a new Final Four, what would the revised Coach O'Toole Final Four look like? Well, I'll tell you what. I'm putting Syracuse in there. Oh, okay? yeah, me too, Coach. Why the hell not? YOLO, baby. No, YOLO. No, no question. I had Purdue. They got bounced out. I do think Baylor's going to be there. I think you're Zags, and I think I had Florida State. Um I do think, you know, Oregon could trip him up. But, but again, Huey's on – he's really on top of his game as well. But that that's my, my advice. My, my, I'm doing this over again. That's who I got in the final four. I'm going to Cuse and Baylor. I'm going to Zags and Florida State. That's a beautiful sight. And, Coach, final one. This matchup <laughs> against Houston. We know Houston is not a good shooting team. Their efficiency numbers, though, offense, defense, top ten – and they're, they're big. They are going to get second, third, fourth opportunities. So I, I get flashbacks to Carolina because you know this, Coach. Anytime Cuse matches up with Carolina, it's painful because I know they're going to get 25 or 30 offensive rebounds in the game. Is limiting Houston's second, third, and fourth opportunities the biggest key if Syracuse going to win that game? Well, I, I think, uh, yeah, obviously, all right, so you asked me to break this whole when I think about the zone and I think about Syracuse's zone, you talk about Houston. And so I remember when Oklahoma and Kelvin uh, played against Mello's team in Albany. And, you know, this was one of these things where, you know, they were supposedly doing really well. And the zone to me becomes very psychological. Now, yes, you've got to keep people off the glass. But the thing that, that happens is that you have those wing dings. And again, in this case, it's Garrier, it's Alan Griffin, it could be Broswell. They come flying out of nowhere based on their rotations, and they start creating havoc. They block shots. Dolage will stand them up, and then these guys come flying out of nowhere. And once you block one of those shots, you know, again, those big inside guys' shots, it alters their mentality. And so when I think about this matchup, it's really, I go back to what Coach Behan. JJ told us in the locker room before we played 
uh, it was Marquette in the Elite Eight round. And he's like, gentlemen, you have got to punch your own ticket. Once you get to the Sweet 16, J.J., Coach Krzyzewski called me when I was at Stanford, and we just beat Kansas. And uh, he just got on the phone with Johnny, and I don't know why he called me, but anyway, it was a pretty cool moment. He's like, Timmy, when you get to this round, he goes, you have to focus, put everything else aside, and focus everything you've got into this next game. He goes, because from 16 on, anything can happen. And I go back to Bay, and I just I remember writing this down because it was, it was genius to me, but he told that team that day before we played Marquette, you have got to punch your own ticket. You cannot wait. It starts from the very first play. You've got to be ready to do the little things. Take a charge. Dive on a loose ball. And I do think if the Qs can come out and do that, that will be enough to get this thing psychologically in your favor. Blockouts become a little harder. Long shots, long rebounds kind of go in your favor. And uh, the ability to try to get up early, and that's kind of what they did against West Virginia. It kind of lets you settle in. And if they can do that, then watch out. Because then I think you got to keep them off the glass. But you know what? If those shots are errant, you're deflecting balls, that doesn't become an issue. And then uh, – and then all of a sudden, if teams are behind, they think, oh, God, we got to start making threes. That's usually a bad recipe. And then those long shots create long rebounds. And so those big guys inside don't get them. My main man, the associate head coach at Pitt, he's such an unbelievable asset for us all year, and especially this time of year when we're talking brackets and tourney, the great Timmy O'Toole. Coach, a pleasure. Hopefully, when we're doing this next week, we're talking about more games for Syracuse. I like the sound of that, okay? <laughs> JJ, you're the best, buddy. All the best, my friend. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.